0: Thanks for joining Impact Boom on this episode.
1: When Aboriginal people thrive, we all thrive through that understanding. And it is my experience, especially across not just Rudra country, but all countries, that First Nations people, we're happy to engage and we're happy to share, especially our learnings and and ways of being. And that is through Yinjamata and going slow and building really meaningful connections.
0: Welcome to impactboom.org. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes.
2: Thanks for listening to episode 428 of Impact Boom. My name is Sarah and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering and contributing to initiatives and enterprises that are causing positive transformation locally and globally. Today... We're speaking with Maydina Penrith. On today's podcast, we will discuss the role community-led initiatives play in shaping the future and the importance of activating and listening to regional voices. We're adjurayuin, Nari Nari, Watchabolic Woman, living on Wamba Wamba, Peripa Peripa Country. Maidina has been an outspoken agent of change and engagement for young people and her Aboriginal community, as well as broader regional communities. She's a passionate and committed advocate with over 25 years experience in the youth-led sector and the Aboriginal Communities Affairs space. She's spent extensive time in the public eye, including being featured on Channel 10's The Project as National Youth Week Ambassador. Medina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Medina, to start off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what's led you to where you are today?
1: Will do. So I grew up in Griffith and around like, surrounding areas, and I'm including Gulgawi and very regional, remote area. And since then, I've always been in the youth-led slash volunteer space and was doing that for... Uh, I'm scared to do the math I think it's been yeah 25 years always passionate and saw the capacity that was built in me as a young person in that space and continued that and maintaining that while also then pursuing a career and going out and just working with mob and community on all different levels whether it was local government state government or in corporate or as self-employed as a consultant so yeah I've been around everywhere and I'm very passionate about continuing maintaining our connection to country and culture for what's going to be here for not my generation, but, you know, what legacy we're leaving and what's our work going to look like in the next, you know, 150 years. So that's what brings me to the front of mind, whether it is showing up in my everyday job or the work that I um, invest back into community. Can you tell
2: us a little bit more about some of the spaces that you've worked in, both as a professional and in your community development and volunteer spaces?
1: The highlight would be where I was the inaugural First Nations Manager for Football Australia, so I got to work all across the country with A-League teams, with our state member federations. We hosted national football indigenous festivals. That was really eye-opening and enriching experience working in that space. And just to see from grassroots up to the most highest levels what we can achieve as Black Followers when you get to pursue your passions. At the same time, I was working at Football Australia, I was actually appointed to the Ministerial Task Force by Aboriginal Affairs. And at the time, that meant particularly Task Force produced the OCA plan, which still exists in New South Wales government. So at the time, it was bipartisan supported. And I was the youth representative and the only woman on that task force to represent and bring that voice to the work. And the fact that it still exists today in in government, even though we've had change of parties and whatnot, and it still remained and it's getting a refreshed look now because of the work that we did 13 years ago, still strong and remaining. And at the time, I actually set a goal of I wanted to have some intention about my work that I was doing. And I set a goal to say I wanted to have significant impact on New South Wales Aboriginal community over 10 years and then with the work of the OCA plan I ended up achieving that in eight months so I was like oh set a 10-year plan and here I am and that experience in itself was mind-blowing I got to go around all the state just to be exposed with how you can achieve significant change and a real example of having your voice heard and implemented and I've been able to retain a lot of connections and personal connections through all of those processes and experiences.
2: Mm. And you've obviously and continue to do a lot of really strong community work particularly in the regional space can you tell us a little bit more about some of those spaces you've worked within?
1: In starting that it was making a conscious choice to remain and live regionally even though there might have been opportunities for me to progress or higher roles or to make where I might have been able to make an impact and I guess but then weighing that up with what my values were to remain on country and living regionally and in saying that really reflecting on my skill base and what I had to offer and through what my lived experiences were in the workplace and where I was experiencing a lot of success and then I wanted to build that capacity back into some of our Aboriginal community-controlled organisations and it was very challenging, but I saw myself as someone who had the skills and knowledge. So I then had the responsibility to take it on and did see a lot of meaningful change that needed to happen. And for me it was being exposed and having knowledge of an issue that I had to really pursue it. And I guess it, it takes a hit in terms of where you expand your resources and what you commit your time to, but in the end, it was really worthwhile um, things that I got to pursue. And at this point, I'm more than happy to step away because I feel like it's where I can just see things are thriving and off they go. It's good to not to be needed. We need to be consciously working ourselves out of the job in our space.
2: Mm, doing that capacity building to activate communities to upskill. Yeah. As someone who is a leader in both Aboriginal affairs, and in regional community spaces, and as a voice for regional communities, what are some of the challenges, the opportunities, and the possibilities that you see laying ahead?
1: Uh, I definitely want to start with possibilities because I really um, look at just the health and well-being of society, and it's a slower pace when you go regionally and but it's also a, a stronger, sense of community and connection and that's the feedback I see a lot of the times when talking to my metropolitan colleagues and that what we get up to and just having the neighbours over for a bonfire on the weekend which is what we did and we you know toasted marshmallows and we live that sense of community it's a bit more scarce in metropolitan areas and to me where the value that I put on that's much more to me it's that the possibilities are just around looking after yourself and self-care and how we're looking after the environment and so to me a lot of the possibilities and opportunities are just being present in regional areas and I guess that's what physically we have to offer. So in Denelequin where I live where the Edward River runs through the town and it's that sense of belonging and connection and identity that especially our Aboriginal people that we have I get to experience being on countries quite powerful and, and meaningful and we I guess in the space that we are, Sarah, it's where you just get in and in, you do the work because of that sense of community and and what skills everyone brings to the table. And that's the motivation. Like you, you get to see and live the the outcomes of your work. You then become the example of this is what you're able to do. And then at times those examples of really work that's been done, they might win an award or you're an example in shift in policy on the bigger levels through that exposure. In saying that that is the challenge that a lot of your time and resources need to be invested up front but in saying that the motivation of like you will live and breathe those outcomes I guess for me it's just that would I experience that just informing Stretching myself too thin, I think, is what I'm getting at. I'm at the age where I know it's that receptacle exchanging of energy and resources that might not necessarily be money, that shared economy and what will the future look like, and it's going to be on, I think, a lot around our health and wellbeing.
2: Hmm. Madina, what are some things that you wish people who have never lived in a country town or have never really Because I suppose you and I both grew up in the country and growing up and living in the country and passing through are two very different things. And as you've mentioned to me before, in your roles, you're really passionate about advocating, of course, for First Nations communities and for all communities who occupy regional spaces. What do you think it is that people could do with understanding a little bit more deeply
1: I feel like it's for me definitely what I learn from others and the skills and that life experience that they're more willing to share and indoctrinate you in when you're a part of a smaller community. And I found myself doing it as well. You need to know how to navigate services we have, and you've got to be really proactive. And because things are few and far between, you show up and you don't want to miss out. And so. Yeah, I guess it just enhances sort of everything in your life. So, you know, you're looking for what events on and who are we supporting and I guess the ethos that we have is that we're really conscious with the environment and I guess a great example in Deniliquin is they have a purpose-built store for people that have excess produce from farms or just their houses or things that they're selling and it's operated off a volunteer basis. So it's where we're in a way looking at that really traditional sense of community and how you'd operate we're actively not trying to waste things we're we're actively trying to be more conscious of the environment because we more especially here you're impacted by climate change and the how the river operates and if we're flooding and, and natural events and disasters like how we being more prepared for those things so i think just feeling the impact more you become more prepared and then you become closer and you share your, your lived experiences and especially with a lot of the older generation who tend to stay and there's a lot of us younger ones with kids raising them and it's when you've got those two demographics coming together there's a lot to learn and us growing up and raising kids I tend to look back for solutions now if that makes sense I tend to find how do we used to do things how do we used to come together we're all raising kids in a community sort of aspect and there was less distractions and less ways of communicating I think that's what I in summary is I find more everything's a bit more meaningful in just how I operate my daily life and it's in saying that it enhances my communication and my connection wherever I'm popping into a different town I'm reaching out to to people to catch up and share you know and reconnect and and see what everyone else is up to so it's yeah, it's got the, those motivations, but it also informs a lot of the way that I am just living. Yeah.
2: Maidina, as a Wiradjuri woman, is there any specific values or wisdom you would like to share with our audience?
1: I would love to, and this reflects more on that regional perspective as well. So in Wiradjuri we have a word that's Yindamara, and it means Respect, but it also means be still and to go slow. And when we speak about how we're going to adopt and the ethos of Indomata and that respect in all aspects of meaningful relationships, First Nations values, and caring for country and continuing our traditional ways of living, and to me, that is all summed up in. And that is, I guess, what I've, I feel has that impact, especially when I'm forming and open to relationships. And the more I see the wider community understands First Nations values and what they understand and mean, and how, if they're embedded in community and understood, then when Aboriginal people thrive, we all thrive through that understanding. And it is my experience, especially across not just Rodri country, but all countries that First Nations people, we're happy to engage and we're happy to share, especially our learnings and, and ways of being. And that is through Yinjamata and going slow and building really meaningful connections and relationships, not just for short periods of times or for specific reasons. And because we have a responsibility back to caring for country, but we also have a desire to continue our traditional ways of caring for country, but it's also you know, caring for our people and our communities. And I would think a lot of our values align. And when that's understood, I think really powerful things can happen. And there's some really great examples of organisations that are doing that. And to me, I would just love to see that more continued and a focus. Mm,
2: what are some inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you feel are creating really positive change?
1: I think I have to give a shout out to Landcare New South Wales is more with just how as an organisation they're really starting to adopt that desire for that connection back to the Aboriginal community. They're starting slow and looking to how they can meaningful adopt change but it's also where It's a visible organisation that exists across the state and I'm sure there's many more different organisations but to me they're centred around how it can be sustainable and and the work they do to to promote the traditional ways of being and it could be through we want to see more cultural burns and there's always post-natural disasters a story around how property has been protected because they've introduced traditional ways of looking after the land and I feel like when those organisations exist that can continue that and promote it and put a spotlight on it they've got some important work to do and especially best being non-government but volunteer driven as well because and especially a lot of that the work that they're going to do we're not going to benefit from now but it's very important work that about what I talked about what legacy we're going to be leaving. Mm.
2: And to finish off, Maidina, what are some books or resources that you would
1: recommend to our listeners? Right now I'm looking at the work of Byron Katie and she does Loving What Is. And to me it's, I wanted to talk about anything that promotes your way of thinking and your limiting beliefs. And I think especially important regionally and especially important as a First Nations woman of a lot of intergenerational trauma and things that have happened in the past and then what opportunities we have now so I think it's promoting her work is all around well what's what's the reality and how we can really make meaningful change for ourselves so just finding something that constantly where you need to really look at questioning your limiting beliefs and what you can achieve and I've get to do that every day and I shared with you how I'm not moving to a major centre just to pursue my career work and, and choosing to stay regionally and I'm and I thought like if people valued me for my skills they would find me and, and keep me and I've been able to do that we need to just offer different perceptions on situations and it's the work that we've got to do ourselves
2: fully agree yes <laughs> Medina, thank you so much for your generous time and your insights, your wisdom and your contributions to the world. Thank you, Sarah.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.